Okay, so Proverbs chapter number 10 and verse 21 through 32. We'll go ahead and start by reading this. It says, The lips of, of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. It is as sport to a foolish, uh, to the fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding hath, great wi uh, hath wisdom. The fear of the Lord, it shall come, uh, shall come upon him. Uh, the, the fear of the wicked, it shall come upon him, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. As the whirlwind passeth, so is the wicked no more. But the righteous is an everlasting foundation. As vinegar to the teeth, and as smoke to the eyes, so is a slugger to them that send him. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out. The lips of the righteous shall know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. Now, there's a lot here, okay? And you can tell just by reading over that, there's a lot here. We're looking at wisdom in the book of Proverbs, amen? And we're continuing through this rest of this chapter, in chapter 10, that we already started. I want you to remember that this text, Solomon is contrasting that which is wise with that which is foolish, okay? And that which is wicked with that which is righteous as he is seeking to instruct us in the way of wisdom, okay? I hope it's your desire because I know it's my desire to walk in wisdom, to be a wise and godly man. And this book is doing exactly that. It's teaching us, instructing us about having that walk in wisdom. And so as we continue looking at this chapter tonight, I want us to once again realize what is right. As I look at these principles, and he's contrasting foolish with wise, or wicked with righteous, I look at each verse and I ask myself, what is right here that he is trying to impart to us that he wants for us to understand as a right part of our life? Okay, so let us look at that. We're going we're gonna to go through all these verses tonight, so we're going to jump right into it, okay? Uh, verse number 1. Uh, 21, I mean, I see here a right uh, nourishment, okay? Uh, it says, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. You could also title this right lips or right mouth, however you want. There's a lot of stuff that's repeated and dealt with over and over again in here. If that's the case, listen, folks, it's repeated because God wants you to get more of it. <laughs> Obviously, you need to hear more about that particular subject, right? Okay, so notice here what he's talking about. He says, the lips of the wise are known for helping a person and nourishing them and bringing them health and life, right? Because as he says here, they, uh, the lips of the righteous, they do what? They feed many, okay? But the lips of the wicked, uh, they tend to death. The Bible says here, the the, uh, the fools die for want of wisdom. Okay, listen, folks. Uh, Solomon emphasizes this here um, by saying, lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die. And a wise man, listen, a wise man will use his lips in a wise way, right? He'll, he'll use his lips 
for the purpose of edifying or lifting up or building up and encouraging and strengthening those that are around him. But fools are not so. Their speech can be angry or bitter or vile or ungodly or full of poison. In fact, in James, I think he compares bitter speech, angry speech, ungodly speech to that of a snake. And their words only tend to death. There is no nourishing or life in them. They do not lift you up. They do not. They only try to drag you down with themselves. What about you? Now listen, Christian. Like I said before, we can be wise in one area and not so wise in another. This is to help us to be the type of man or woman that God wants us to be, to be a wise person. So what about you? The words that come out of your mouth, are they nourishing, life-giving, encouraging, uplifting words? The words of the wise. Or are your words more like the foolish that tend to death? May the Lord help us to be a wise uh, to be a wise man or a wise woman with our with our lips. Amen. To be a Barnabas, his name means son of encouragement. God wants us to be like that. And I'll tell you what, in these days of discouragement, I'll tell you, there's not a person that doesn't need that. We don't need somebody going around trying to drag everybody else down and drag them through the mud and discourage them and bash on them and whatever else. Lift them up. Encourage them. Husbands, praise your wives. Wives, praise your husbands. Be wise about this thing. Hey, it's not a blessing to drag somebody down. Lift them up. Amen. Okay, for so that is wise. Number two, I see here a right earning. Uh, verse 22 says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Now, I like that little extra added at the end. He addeth no sorrow with it. That tells me that there is some, some wealth that can be gotten that carries with it some sorrow, right? Listen, folks, there is a wise way to get wealth and money and an unwise way, right? But the blessings of God are associated with earning our money, our riches, so to speak, in a right and godly way. You say, well, what's the right way to earn your money, preacher? Well, the God-ordained ways for a man to make a living by good old-fashioned hard work, amen? That's God's way. Bible talks about that repeatedly. And wealth earned in this manner is blessed and without sorrow, the Bible tells us here. But many foolishly want to bypass God's system and get rich quick. Do they not? Is that not what our society wants today? They want to get rich quick. That's why we get mega bucks galore, lottery galore, casinos galore. Because everybody wants to get quick rich and bypass God's way of earning an income. But it's not right, is it? And usually they find themselves enduring numerous sorrows that are attached to this. This is why the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.10, and of course, if you're trying to get rich quick, likely it's because you love money. <laughs> he says here, those who love money have pierced themselves through with what? Many sorrows. Does that not go along with what this verse is saying? So remember, there is a right way to make a living. 
And it is hard earned, okay? But it is honorably earned money. And it comes without sorrow, praise the Lord. Earn it the right way, it comes without sorrow. And it is blessed. But unjust gain comes with numerous sorrows. And I'll tell you what, I don't care what the vice is. Uh, you, you, you name any vice that's out there today, I can guarantee you there's some, some sort of racket surrounding it where there's people making money off it. Uh, usually sins seem to link together in multiple different ways. You've got the lottery, you've got the, the drugs and the alcoholism and all that mess out there and the, the immorality. And oftentimes there's money associated with all these vices, all these awfulness. You know what? There's a sorrow that's attached to that. That love of money is going to cause them to be pierced through with many sorrows. You don't want that to have any part of your life. Hey, listen, just get back to earning money the old-fashioned way, amen? The way God intended, by good old-fashioned hard work, amen? That's the way of blessings. And that's the way of earning an income without the sorrows associated with it, okay? Um, notice also I see here in verse 23 a right interaction. Verse 23 says, as the whirlwind passeth, so is the wicked no more. Okay, I'm reading 25, I'm sorry. Verse 23, it is as sport to a fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. You know what, sometimes it takes a little bit of wisdom to interact with people in the right way, doesn't it? You know, people can be hard to deal with sometimes, and sometimes you just have to have a wisdom about you, an understanding about you to interact with people rightly. The Bible says a man of understanding, he is, he is wise. He knows how to properly and, and wisely interact with those that are around him. But listen now, a fool thinks it's fun and games to do mischief. That's what the Bible says. Now, keep in, keep in mind, our modern-day concept of mischief um, it is very different uh, than what we think of, what we think of, and what the Bible is talking about when it talks about mischief. You know, we think of having fun and picking with somebody, or a little kid that's always getting into everything, right? But the biblical word conveys the idea of being evil-minded with wicked intents to hurt or harm or injure or damage someone else and kind of mockingly making fun at the same time while you're doing it. Truly, that is foolish uh, for an individual to think it's fun and games or sport to mischievously seek to hurt or harm or damage someone else. Just plain not right, it's foolish, right? Often, this is done with words, is it not? Again, ties back to the mouth. But a wise man has understanding to rightly, properly interact with others and even encourage them not to seek to harm them or to, to damage them. Um, and listen, that's, that's the way that God wants for us to be Christians. He wants to be us, us to be wise, does he not? You know, I look at our, our president, and boy, he, he's got a mouth on him. He can, he can really blast it out sometimes. But you look at how they deal with him. 
I think probably this is the one man I have seen publicly so visibly dealt with in this manner. I mean, they have verbally nonstop tried to trash this man and damage him and harm him. What are they doing? This is exactly what they're doing. Okay? It's a sport to them to do, for, to the, the, the foolish to do mischief. That's exactly what they're doing. It's a big game to them to do as much as they possibly can to trash this man, to drag him down, to harm him, to damage his image, that they can attain what they want. And God says it's foolish and it's unwise and it's not right. And it should not be the way of the Christian. And you know what? Even when they do it, we don't need to play the way that they do, do we? Because we ought to be different. We're to be salt and light in this world. Amen. And so notice there's a right interaction. Okay. That's the wise way. Notice number four. I see here a right delight. Look at verse 24. The fear of the, of the wicked, it shall come upon him. But the desire of the righteous shall be granted. Now, listen, folks, a wicked man delights in what? He delights in his wickedness. He delights in his sin. He trusted, he also trusted his wicked, sinful schemes, right? And he is therefore always in fear that his evil schemes, his evil plans are going to somehow, some way, fall apart and cause problems for him. The first thing that comes to my mind is, is the name Ahab and Jezebel, right? Boy, they were schemers, were they not? They always had a wicked scheme in their mind. They were always trying to do harm to God's people. And God's prophets stood up against them and told them, Listen, you're not going to get away with this. Well, I can imagine they had some nightmares. I can imagine there were some fears in their life, realizing, Hey, what if that prophet's right? What if that prophet's correct? And sure enough, it did come to pass. They both died a horrible death because of the wickedness that they were involved in. But their life was filled with their wickedness and their schemes. It's the way of the wicked, the way of the ungodly. But on the other hand, the righteous man delights in what? He delights in the Lord, right? He trusted him. He desires to do his will. And certainly such desire shall be granted. Now, granted, we can get to a place as believers where sometimes we're not really wanting God's will. That's not a good place to be. And you're not going to get the desires of your heart when your heart does not line up with what God's desires are. Okay? That's very evident. But when our desires line up with his desires, I think we can be very assured that God's going to grant us the desires of our heart. Amen. Because we want what he wants, right? As it states, um, states in this verse, in Psalms 37, um, verse 4 as well, David wrote, Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And so a wise man has a right delight that is centered on the Lord and what, what he wants in his life. What about you? What is your delight right now? Maybe you say, well, I know I'm saved, preacher. I know I'm born again. I know I've trusted Christ. Well, maybe that's so, but what's your delight? Don't think that God's going to give you the desires of your heart when your desires don't line up with his desires. 
It's not going to happen. Is your delight in the Lord and what he wants in your life? For that is wise, and such a man will see his desires granted. There's wisdom there, Christian. May we listen to the word of God. Notice number five tonight. I see here a right foundation. This is something I've brought up a couple times already during our study in the book of Proverbs. But look at verse number 25. As the whirlwind passeth, so is the wicked no more. But the righteous is an everlasting foundation. Listen, Christians, what a wicked man builds his life on, it's going to crumble, is it not? It's going to fall apart. Uh, when he's faced with those whirlwinds, with those storms of life, when the judgment of eternity comes upon him, everything in the man's life that he's built up is going to what? It's going to fall completely apart because he has no foundation. But the wise man has a sure foundation. His name is Jesus. So that he can endure the storms of life. Hey, listen, we go through a lot of difficult things, don't we? But even in the midst of the storms, we've got one thing that never changes. His name is Jesus Christ. He is my rock. He is my foundation. And he keeps me focused on the finish line. Amen. Amen. The prize that's set before me. Because my life is anchored to him. My life is founded upon him. And so come what may around me, my life is founded strong and secure on him. You know, I'm always reminded of this parable in the New Testament where Jesus talks about the, the foolish man and the wise man, right? And, um, you know, the foolish had built everything he built, torn down and destroyed when the storms came because it was built on those sinking and sifting sands. But the wise man was unable to stand firm. Because he was founded on the rock. Amen. Jesus is the rock of my salvation. Amen. Right? He is my foundation. Amen. And you see, listen, folks, a life that is wisely built on Jesus Christ is the only life which can endure the storms of life and the judgments of eternity. I hope you have a right and wise foundation. I know Jesus is my foundation. I hope he's yours as well. If he is, I hope you're building upon that foundation. Because that's the only way to build in this life. Amen. Okay, so I see a right foundation. Number six, I see a right diligence. Look at verse 26. As vinegar to the teeth, and as smoke to the eyes, so is a slugger to them that send him. Now, Solomon makes it evident here that a foolish sluggard is only going to bring trouble, pain, um, and aggravation to those who send him. That, that talk of vinegar talks about the, the pain that it can give to the teeth or the smoke of the burning, the irritation, the aggravation to the eyes. Okay? That's what it does to a person that sends them. I mean, it just completely aggravates them to have such a person working for them or uh, doing a job for them. But a wise man is diligent in his work and in his effort. He therefore is a blessing and a benefit to those who employ, men, uh, employ him. And this is wise. What about you? 
with your employer say you are a blessing maybe you are employed what about your husband wives maybe you have uh, other work with other people watching you say that you're a diligent person would they say you are a blessing and a benefit because you are wise and diligent and you're bringing or would they say that you are bringing pain and aggravation <laughs> to those who employ you because you always find a good excuse not to be doing what needs to be done there's a lot of people out there like that today. The workforce hasn't gotten any better since I was on the job. And I can remember when I worked on the golf course full-time before I went full-time ministry. I can remember, man, they, those guys, they were looking for every excuse they possibly could to stop working. Smoke break, water break, it's too hot, I need a rest on the side, heat break. <laughs> any of you that worked in the workplace, you've, you've seen the same thing. What about you? What type of worker are you? Are you idle talking on the job when you should be working? Are you taking lots of breaks when you're not paid to be taking lots of breaks? Are you purposely putting off what needs to be done or purposely taking longer to do a task so that you don't have to do as much work? I've seen that a lot of times. All of this is the way of the foolish sluggard, and the Bible says such a man is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. <laughs> Meaning, I'll tell you what, he can justify himself in his laziness and his slus and his sluggardness and all his excuses just pile up so much. I mean, he can, he can give, uh, um, he's wiser in his conceit than seven more other men that could give a normal reason. Such a man is always looking to give excuse of why he can't diligently work rather than finding a reason why he should be diligently working. Proverbs 23, uh, 26, 16 says that he claims there is a lion in the way. There's a lion in the street. Now, boys, that's not going to work for you when I tell you to go do a job. Don't try it now, okay? But you know what? what how foolish is that? Don't we have people out there like that? Oh, I can't go to work today. There's a lion in the street. There's a bear on my street. Can't do it. You know what I'm talking about? Because people like that work at your job or you've seen them work at your job and they just don't want to work. They have no work ethic. They are not diligent and it is not wise and it's not God. And you see, this foolish way of the sluggard is a pain and a hassle and a thorn in the flesh to those that employ him. And this is not a blessing and this should not be the testimony of a believer. Our, our employer ought to look at us and say, man, that guy's going to do the best he can. He is going to be diligent to give his best effort because I know he's going to do this because he is a Christian. Because he believes in Jesus. So may we not be seen with the foolish character of the slugger, but may the Lord help us to be wisely, uh, to be wise and diligent. You know, I know when I, when I was working on the golf course, um, I can remember numerous times I would finish everything they'd given me to do, and I'd just be waiting at the garage. I didn't know what else to do. I'd start sweeping the garage out. I didn't want my boss to come back and find me not doing some sort of work. 
Even if I didn't have anything scheduled and I was waiting for him to give me something else, I found something to do that I thought needed to be done because I wanted to make sure he saw that I was going to be a good and diligent worker uh, because I was being paid to do that job. That's right and that's wise, Christian. And that's the way that God wants us as his believers to be. Okay, number seven. We got 12 things tonight, so be patient. We're going to get through them all, okay? Going through every verse. Next, I notice a right respect. Look at verse number 27. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Now, that ought to bring some fear into some people's hearts. It really ought to. Because there's some people out there today, they completely have no respect for God. And I'll tell you what, their lives have a very good chance of being shortened because of it. The Bible tells us the way of the transgressor is hard, right? And truly a life that is lived in rebellion to the Lord, it is a hard life. A life of hard knocks. But also those who choose to follow their wicked and sinful devices... The, the sad truth is that oftentimes they die as a result of these things, and often they die younger than they really needed to. I mean, if we were just to take testimony after testimony tonight in this room, I think we could hear multitudes of testimonies of people that just we know individually who died at a very young age because... They were drunk or because they got on drugs or because they were in some form of immorality or some other vice or or awfulness and that 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 vice that awfulness that sin that they'd allowed into their life that wickedness that they allowed to control them it took it to cut their life short because they wouldn't have any respect for god so many people it just, it, it really, every time I saw it in Ukraine, it just, it just broke my heart. But I can remember so many times you'd see people passed out drunk on the side of the road. Two or three times while we were there, we saw people passed out that had, had drunk themselves to death. I mean, they got so drunk, they passed out in the snowbank and they froze overnight. Never to be anymore. Their life was cut short because of that wickedness and that sin. But listen, folks, a life that is lived out out of the fear of the Lord, that's out of a respect and a reverence for our Lord and our Savior and our God. That's a life that will enjoy the blessing of being able to avoid the awful and the even deadly effects of sinful, wicked behavior. And truly a life lived out of respect and reverence for the Lord will be a life that will be prolonged. Wickedness and sin, listen, it will cut short a life. But the fear of God will prolong the life of the wise. There's great principle in that. We can spare ourselves many heart, much heartache, much difficulty, and possibly even a shortened life by just simply listening to God and living our lives out in, in fear of the Lord, in that great respect and reverence for Him. And yet in this day and age, oftentimes we don't even see that in churches. Many churches, they don't even care. I mean, you go to their, they're serving alcohol in the churches nowadays. They get a big rock concert and everybody's acting worldly and ungodly and promoting things that just aren't right. That's not wise, folks. We've gotten so far from common sense that even the churches think they've got to be politically correct nowadays. And it's just foolishness. And God says such lifestyles will literally 
cut your life short. Now, I was reading the other day an article from a, another fundamental guy that puts out a newsletter. He was stating that there's a big Southern Baptist church somewhere in the South. I don't know if it was North Carolina or South Carolina, maybe even Georgia. I can't remember. But it was one of the bigger, well-known Southern Baptist churches. has just one word name. They've taken Baptist off of it. But they had a man in the church that had left his wife to be with another man. And instead of placing that family, or placing that man under church discipline and removing him from the membership, they took him and his partner that apparently got married, so to speak, and put, it, put them in one of their satellite churches as greeters to enter people as they came to the doors of the church of God. Maybe I shouldn't even call it a church of God because if they're going to be doing that, it's the church of Satan, not the church of God. But listen, folks, it's not wise and it's permeating the church in such wickedness and such filth. We'll cut lives short. It will not prolong them. May we learn the principle of living our lives out in the fear of God because there's great wisdom in that. And God says it will literally prolong our days where wickedness cuts us short. So we see here a right respect. That's wisdom. Notice number eight, a right hope. Look at verse 28. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. You know, a lost and, and wicked man, a foolish man, they may have many expectations or desires in life, but they have no real hope, do they? Their hope is all tied up in the things that they have in this life, in their sinful lifestyles, and their wickedness, and everything they look forward to, listen, friend, it will be lost. It will be burned up in destruction. Amen. But the saved man, the righteous man, that man has a blessed hope. Amen. And truly what great joy and what great gladness we have in our life that is lived for the Lord and in an eternity that we'll get to spend with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In that wonderful place that he has prepared for us called heaven. Truly, I have a blessed hope and I have great expectations of my God. But the foolish of this world are void of such hope and their expectations shall perish. May God help us to see the reality of this here. Our hope is in Jesus a wise man has hope, all hope, wrapped up in, a, in one name. His name is Jesus. Because his life is founded upon that, that rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. All my hope is found in him. And because my life revolves around him, I have that precious hope. And that is wise. It's foolish to just go out there and live for the world and live for the devil and live wickedly. Sure, worldly people, they have expectations. They have desires in life. But the Bible says it's all going to what? It's going to perish. It's all going to burn up. There's nothing real there. There's nothing lasting there. Only what's found in Jesus is lasting. That's why it's a blessed hope. Amen. And so we see here a right hope. Notice number nine. I see here a right way. 
verse 29. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. The way of the righteous, godly, and wise man. Now listen, folks, it is a stronghold, it is a fortress, and it is strength for him. Uh, because that way literally shields him from numerous evils. But the way of a foolish and wicked man only leads to devastation and destruction in his life. Such a man is like a city that's without walls. That's able to be pillaged and ravaged over and over and over and over again. And the way of wickedness is not is not a way of, of current um, The way of wickedness is, is a way of devastation in your life. And a way of, of uh, right now, at this current time. And it's a way of destruction in eternity. Truly the way of the foolish. Uh, the, the, this way is foolish, but the way of the righteous, wise, and godly man is the way of the Lord. And it is a strength and a defense for such a wise man. Just like we talked about underneath that point of a right respect. You know, it prolongs his days. Okay, so there is a right way. Notice also I see here a right being. Verse number 30. The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. Think about this. The wise, the righteous shall never be removed, but instead, I shall always be. Amen. <laughs> My life is preserved. It's, it's hid with God in Christ Jesus. Amen. But it shall not be so for the wicked, for the foolish, and for the ungodly, Christ-rejecting men of this world. They shall be removed. They shall be cut off. They shall be cast out into everlasting fire. Not only will they not inherit the earth, but they will be cut off forever and they will perish forever in an eternal lake of fire. That's what the Bible says about wicked people. Thankfully, it is not so for the wise. Our testimony is that the wise shall never be removed. And as Paul said, so shall we ever be with the Lord. What about you? Do you have a right being, or will he be cut off and cast out as a foolish and wicked person? Notice number 11. We get just two more things, and I'll be done. And Solomon turns his attention here once again back to the mouth and the tongue for these last two things. I see here a right speech in verse number 31. He says, The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out. That's pretty strong, is it not? Solomon addresses speech here again in these verses. Obviously, the Lord thinks that this is important, right? Notice here, the mouth of the righteous and just man brings forth that which is wise, that which is godly and pure. But the speech of the foolish and wicked man, it's vile and it's wicked. And Solomon says uh, here that their tongue shall be cut out. What is, that, what is that talking about? Well, you know what? That's speaking of judgment, is it not? That's speaking also of silencing. You know, there are even some countries, even right now, that they practice cutting out tongues as a form of judgment against those whose speech isn't to their liking. 
And the purpose is twofold. Okay, first of all, to condemn them and to punish them for the speech that they, that, that they had that was not pleasing to the government officials or whatever it may be. And also to silence them. And God makes it clear to us here that the foolish man with a froward tongue, he will be judged and he will be silenced. Listen, there's going to be a day when that man's going to stand before God and he's not going to be able to say another word. He's going to see himself as condemned and guilty and worthy of judgment. What about you? Is your mouth a spring of wisdom or a source of ungodliness? To be wise is to put forth that which is wise as well. As Brother Joe Bryant, who is coming this fall, praise the Lord, Lord willing, as he always used to say, what's in the well? Comes up in the bucket, right? There's truth there, Christian. If you're a wise person, wise things and wisdom will come out. Okay, so we see here a right speech. And lastly, as we finish up tonight, I see here a right discretion. Look at verse 32. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. Again, this is uh, directed at the mouth. And obviously, God is wanting us to be wise with our mouth. If we're going to be wise, we're going to use to learn our words, uh, use our words wisely, amen. In this verse, he makes it clear that the mouth of the righteous and the wise man, he knows what is acceptable, what is appropriate. But an ungodly and wicked and foolish man spouts off at the mouth and speaketh frowardness, the Bible says. That word forward refers to perverse and disobedient speech. Maybe it'd be good for you to write that in your Bible if you don't know what that word means. It means perverse and disobedient speech. And truly, I can tell you a foolish man, you can, you can see a foolish man just by watching them for a little while because they will be known by that disobedient, rebellious, and perverse speech. I'll tell you, you watch the news, you'll see a whole lot of this, won't you? But a wise man is known by having a controlled tongue and speaking only that which is acceptable and appropriate and right. Now, I got to thinking about that, and I don't know for sure that Mike Pence is a born-again Christian, but it sure seems like it. You watch that man, and what I just said is what you see in him. He knows he knows this truth. He speaks that which is right and acceptable and appropriate. And he has a controlled tongue. And I believe it's probably because Jesus lives within him. That is the way of the wise. What about you? Do you use your tongue in a discreet way so as to be appropriate and acceptable? Or do you spout off at the mouth? perverse and rebellious and disobedient things. May God help us to be seen and to be known as those who speak with a right tongue because that is wise, Christian. Okay, so we've seen 12 things tonight. This is a lot of stuff, right? Okay, it's all about us being a wise person the way that God wants us to be. And we've seen, as we've looked at each of these verses, we've seen what's right. May God help us 
to be what's right than to be what's right, wise. And I'll tell you, if you're not a born-again Christian, there happens to be someone here that does not yet know Jesus Christ, you know what? You're not going to be wise, I can tell you that right now. Because until your life is founded upon the rock, you cannot be wise. That is the basis of wisdom in any person's life, because Jesus is wisdom. And if your life is not built upon him, you cannot. You have no foundation to be a wise person. That foundation must be him. Okay, let's close in a word of prayer. Brother Darrell, if you would, you close us in a word of prayer.